Do you want to learn how to translate your books for your self-publishing business? Well, we've got your answers today. Stick around. Welcome to Self-Publishing with Dale. And if you want to learn a little bit more about tips and strategies for your self-publishing business, then subscribe and turn, in, turn on your notifications to get all my latest videos. Yeah, we're going for a live stream. I encourage you, if you happen to be watching this on the replay, you know that we're going to be going live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So make sure that you hit that subscribe, turn it on, on your notifications. If there is a particular time that you would like to see the live stream, do me a favor, drop it in the comments. We're pretty flexible. And I know here in the not too distant future, my wife here, Kelly Roberts, is happy to do a live stream. That's right without me that's right you get to guys get to see no bald head in this one and you can actually get a little bit of a different expertise so uh, as we start to kind of uh get into things here today please fire off the questions today we're going to be focused on translating your books now i'm just going to flip on over here make sure that everything's popping off we're looking good stream health is awesome if you happen to be lurking about come on let's let's hear from you i'd like to hear what's going on in your world so, um, before we go too deep into things, I want to give a little bit of a plug. If you enjoy the content that you see on this channel on a regular basis, help support the channel by going over to Patreon. You can head to patreon.com slash selfpubwithdale. And with a mere dollar donation per month, you get exclusive content and previously released content that is now unlisted for just a buck per month. That's right, $1. You can donate more if you want, but uh, for the most part, this is exclusive content. You get to learn how to format your ebook, your paperback, how to do book covers, how to use GIMP in a variety of ways. In fact, I just published a video no one else has seen. That's right, no one but the Patreon crowd. And there's just a few people there right now. Why don't you join the crowd? Come on in there, $1 per month. It ain't much. It adds up after a bit. And I tell you what, you're helping support a good cause. I want to give a big shout out to um, my uh, moderators that are inside the channel. Um, obviously, Kelly's here in the channel. She's got the chat set up here. Uh, but Kim here is, is, Kim here is here. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, Kim, we appreciate you popping in here. Uh, you guys get the opportunity. Go over, check out Kim here on YouTube. Uh, a lover content. It's a little different than mine, but I'm going to tell you it's well worth your time to go visit that. So what's up, Kim? I'm going to go ahead and kill this Patreon plug for right now. Remember, share with your mother, your brother, or anybody other. I don't mind either way as long as you just go ahead and share it. All right, we can go ahead and move this down just a little bit. And I'm going to move this over and we can still stare at ourselves. How about that? So we're talking about how to translate books. First of all, why would someone want to have their books translated in a different language? I know this is a shocker, but everyone does not speak English. What? <laughs> there's, there, there's, there's other people that read outside of the English language. I, I know it's a mind blowing shocker. Yeah. But yeah, I think isn't there some fact that Spanish is almost as popular in the U.S. as English? Or something like that? I'll take the anecdotal fact right there. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll um, go ahead and take it. <laughs> well, and it's a harder barrier. It's a, you know, 
higher barrier of entry. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, hola, Willie. Hi. Um, oh, Spanish guy, hopefully. There we go. <laughs> it's, you know, obviously Kindle's been so popular in the U.S., it's easier for people to publish in English. You have to take that extra step to publish in Spanish, French, Italian, yeah. whatever. And there's a whole lot of other readers over in those other countries where yeah. I think Apple iBooks is more popular. Yeah. So there's a huge opportunity. There's there are gigantic opportunities. And I, I think that, um, for instance, uh, I mean, there is a large Indian market, like literally 1.3 billion, billion over uh, people over in India alone that speak Hindi. So this is a gigantic market. Now, granted, there's quite a few of them that can't, but if you can just think, if you just even get 0.1%, you can reach 0.1% of that audience and sell just one book for that much out of each one of them, it's just lucrative. So there's so much opportunity. We're going to get to Hindi here in a little bit uh, because we're going to talk a little bit about some of the areas you can get your books translated. I do want to say, what's up, Willie? If I didn't have an opportunity, it's always great to see you pop here into the chat. Um, as we go along, I want to let you know, we're going to cover all questions and answers a little bit closer to the end of the stream. So just drop your questions and answers because we're going to be talking a little bit to you guys in the live audience and to you guys watching the replay. Uh, we want to share a little bit of our experience when it comes to translating the books. So we kind of talked about translating the books. What are the ways that we can get that done? You can hire someone off Upwork. I don't recommend Fiverr. Um, <laughs> Why? Why don't you use Fiverr? For that purpose, I should say. You, you use Fiverr for other reasons, but not that reason. Two words, bad experience. Hmm, okay. Um Google Translate? <laughs> or, you know, such as Willie. If you have a nice friend like Willie who knows mm. Spanish, pay them some money. They're hopefully very trustworthy, and you'll get a good translation. So yeah. freelancers, friends, and family, yeah. I would say. Three Fs. Excellent. Um, and so, the other way is mm -hmm. an amazing site called well, sometimes amazing, called Babel Cube. It's, it's, a, it's a site with potential. How about we say that? And I can't diss them because it's right. giving me money, and money's good. Hey, hey, no matter how you make it, shake it, or bake it, if you're getting a little bit of a scratch, it means that you can always be able to increase that. And, I mean, I think you and I have found that out over the long haul, that sometimes some things start out pretty small, and it starts to grow a lot larger. I know my first month into Babel Cube, well over a year ago, well, we got like a dollar maybe in earnings, but I mean, it's significantly more now. Now, is it going to freaking break our bank or not break our bank? Is it going to? Well, yeah. You never know. Q4 is here. Right, right. Exactly. And you know, you're opening yourself up to a larger market as well. And you're taking one piece of work. Okay. Let's say for instance, you got a fiction book that someone wrote for you, or you wrote a fiction book or a nonfiction book. And you have somebody convert that into Spanish, or you have them put it into um, Italian, or German, or French, or Dutch. Uh, these are some of the languages I've used. And literally, there's not too much more work either A, you have a little bit of a time investment, or B, you have a time investment as well as a financial investment. So let's take a step back and let's talk a little bit about what was the process for you when you hired out? Because I, I, I'm going to say this right now. I have not hired anybody for translating through Upwork. I know that Kelly's done this. 
Well, maybe some people don't even know what Babel Cube is and they haven't listened to your videos. Right. We'll talk about Babel Cube in just a moment. Okay. Well, hiring translators. Um, I got the idea from a mastermind like a year and a half, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And so I just placed an ad. I think it was Upwork at the time. And yeah. I got some responses and found one that I hired. And it was a good experience. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't hire an editor and I didn't edit anything. So I apologize yeah. to the Spanish audience who read the book. I'm sorry <laughs> if it's crap. Um, that yeah. was my short end of the process. I know you did one of the fiction books. And uh, a One Million for Freedom actually brings it up in your experience. Which other Kindle markets in another language are profitable? It's something to know before translating. Uh, I, our experience was through Spanish, correct? I would start with the more popular ones. Yeah. I mean, if you speak another language that Amazon publishes on, I would go for that first, regardless of what it is. Right. Um, go, I, go the path with of least resistance. With my freelancers, I only did Spanish. Yeah. Um, someone else in the mastermind that I talked about did Italian and German. And saw some really good um, success. He only did it with his fiction books. Yeah, uh, I know you. Uh, you actually had one of your fiction works that ended up breaking into the top like sixty, I think it was in uh, uh, Amazon.es. I, I think it did top ten. Top top ten. Okay, maybe that was the free. I don't know, but mm -hmm. the advantage to um, publishing on .es .de .it um, there's not as many books available and you don't have as much competition. Far less competition. Um, so, I mean, and you know the 30-day period um, where it can drop off if, you know, your book doesn't do so well yeah. or doesn't have reviews. I didn't see that as much on .es. I don't even know what the rank is right now, but it stayed really good for at least a year. So did you recoup your investment for the translator on that particular instance? Oh, yeah, tenfold. And okay. then I hired a Spanish narrator on ACX to help me get more money as well. Really? Uh, what kind of, uh, you know, I'm asking, uh, obviously with ACX, I've talked about this in the channel. If you guys haven't had an opportunity to go check that out, uh, just go on to uh, YouTube itself and just search up. ACX Dale L. Roberts, and you'll be able to see a full series based on ACX. But in any event, how did that turn out for you? Has that been profitable, or is it too soon to tell? I haven't looked at the reports lately. <laughs> I'm, I'm admittedly I'm bad on on uh, audiobook creation exchange as well. Um, but it's been published for two years. Yeah, exactly. We published it in our last department, so yeah, it's been okay. up for about two years. I think it was. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't gotten any nasty emails being yeah. like, hey, so, um, yeah. Uh, Willie wanted to let you know his Spanish grammar sucks, though. <laughs> uh, that's, that's good I stuff. I don't know enough. I wouldn't know any different, so it's okay. I, I have a tenuous grasp on Spanish at best. Three years in high school and one year in college, and... Uh, and I, I literally still don't have a good grasp on it. I can read it pretty well, but as far as comprehension and hearing, uh, I'm, not, I'm terrible at it. So, yeah, that's that's where I stand with Spanish. So, yeah, the Spanish market is, is lucrative. Uh, my experience, and I, I will explain, we'll, we'll kind of spread out just a little bit more on how we are able to leverage another platform, an aggregate publisher, 
And uh, is Google Translate not accurate enough then? Oh, no, heavens no. Actually, MP <laughs> MFC Books, I actually have a full video on uh, Google Translating. And it's pretty funny. You actually will have a good, good couple laughs. Uh, I did this probably about two months ago, and it just shows you how unreliable Google Translate is. In fact, actually, I did that based on a series I saw a guy named uh, Stevie T. I think it's Steve Thornberry or something like that on uh, YouTube. He does music-based things. He plays the guitar, and what he would do is he would put it into a translating software then translate it back into English, and then he would read the song, and it was just, it was, it's hilarious, because obviously it doesn't translate well. You can't go in from one language to another language and expect it to work okay. But yeah, Google Translate, and we'll talk about Google Translate, I'm sure, at some point or another, and we're going to laugh. I, I think Google Translate is not good for stories. I think it's yeah. good for keywords of stories, like one or two word phrases. Um... But that's all I use Google Translate because even though I want money, I don't want someone to buy a Google Translated book. But no. that's a very good question. It, it, it certainly seems like a great opportunity. I think this is going to be a different conversation probably in another five to ten years from now when the uh, the formatting software, the format, the translating software out there is going to uh, be up to snuff. The problem that you're going to run into is dialect. Uh, Here's a good example. For instance, what we call workouts or we call exercise in the other portions of the world, people call bodybuilding. Um, that's you know completely different. So dialect changes from from one region to the next. So it's trying to honor that dialect at the same time speak to the audience. So there's been times where I've had my book, uh, say for instance, one of my workout books translated into Portuguese, and many of my translators I've worked with are native to Brazil and. They say, well, this isn't going to work here, and this is going to work here. Can I put this in place of it? So there's always kind of that, that situation. You've got to communicate with your translator to make sure that you're honoring the original content that you have within your book, but also getting it to where um, the native-speaking audience understands and can kind of comprehend and go along with it. And I think that's where Google Translate is going to drop the ball almost, you know, most times. So, yeah. 75% might be pretty good, but that other 25% could really create quite a poor user experience for, for the readers. And all it takes is a couple bad sentences for somebody to tune out. That's literally what it takes for me whenever I'm reading something. If I see a couple of really bad sentences, I close the book, I'm done. That's literally how I think and how I function. Um, but uh, my experience with, you know, you, you did really good with Spain. I did really good with Germany, actually. Uh, I had... The 15-minute standing abs translated into German, and that one ended up become, becoming a number one bestseller in numerous categories over in Germany, and I can't remember the actual rank. I just I stopped keeping track of, of ranking and such like that, but I know in I, Germany it was it was a hit. I haven't looked at any of my Babel Cube rankings, so I could have had a hit, and I just don't know. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the issue. So we started talking a little bit about Babel Cube. If you want further information, you can always just search up my Babel Cube review over here on YouTube, and when this is off the air, I'll try to put that down into the description below. At any event, I did a full Babel Cube review. I won't make any, I won't mince words about it. I'm still a bit on the fence when it comes to being wholeheartedly endorsing BabelCube, but I really strongly believe that they have, they are a unique platform. They are, they have so much potential and so much room to grow and so many opportunities to grow. So uh, why don't you explain to people what is BabelCube and what, how do they function? 
in summary, Babel Cube is the poor man's way of getting a book translated. Okay. I say that because you can put up a book, and then translators go in and apply for your book. And then you can look through it and, you know, approve or reject their application. Um, I say the poor man's way because you don't have to pay to get that book translated. You pretty much just got to pay for it instead of with dollars, with time. Um, because you're responsible for pretty much every other aspect of publishing besides translating itself. Mm -hmm. And since you are putting in time to it, you get a small percentage. Um, and then the translator gets compensated more um, with a higher percentage of sales. Right, right. And, and it goes like in a tier. It's I hate to, to, to bundle them together with something like this. It works much like a, you know, a direct sales type model. Okay, you don't have to be going out and selling nothing. But uh, what ends up happening is based on the performance of a particular book, you will get a certain percentage more. So if you get like $8,000 or more in sales total, it's total. 2000. Is it 2000? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure why I'm saying 8000. But either way, uh, aren't you guys glad that she's here? She's fact checking me here as we go <laughs> along. Um, but you get a greater percentage. And But even then, at, at a level like that, your translator is still going to be getting a good good chunk. You're just going to get a greater majority once when you get up to that level. Go over to Babel Cube's FAQs and you'll be able to get a full rundown. And I even talk about it in the Babel Cube review. Um, I've been using it for the better part of, gosh, we're going on probably about a year and a half, maybe close to two years. Yeah, we, start, we started around the same time. Yeah. But just for an example, and I could have this a little bit wrong, say your book sells for two ninety nine, mm -hmm. and it sells a copy. Babel, the profits of that from the platform are 7%. So what's that? Minus 30% is what, two thirty? Yeah. You, as the publisher, would get 20% for your first book. Right. So what, 20% of that is $0.50? Cents. So essentially, unless you sell at least $2,000 a month, you make about $0.50 cents a book on average. Right. So, and that's at the lower end of things. So if you end up going like a little deeper or something that's a little bit longer, um, you might profit a bit more. Uh, and keep in mind, Babelcube supports both ebooks and paperback. In print, and I really highly recommend that you take advantage of both those things because if you're having a translator to go through the necessary, you know, translating and you know, spending a lot of time, I think it's well worth your time that you get your ebook formatted and your print book formatted. Uh, super easy software that you can always just take it on over to for your paperback is go over to Draft to Digital. They do free uh, auto formatting for print books. You don't have to print it out on Draft to Digital. In fact, don't. You don't want to, anytime you get these translations done on Babelcube, it's got to stay on Babelcube because they have the distribution rights. Uh, you still own the copyright to the material. After five years, though, it defaults and it comes back to you. And you can be able to take it anywhere your, your little pee-picking heart desires. So um, that's one real nice thing. Uh, so if you look at the long game, you can be uploading <coughs> a translated book. For me, though, I, I mean, I'm looking at sometimes the effort that I'm putting into it. So there's been some translators, it's been a dream working with them, but then other ones, not so much. Um, there's been, I mean, more recently, I'll, I'll just go ahead and publicly state, I'm not going to say that the person's name, 
but I find that their translations to be questionable. There was a lot of English words despite it being in a different language. And I come back and I said, I don't think that this is correct. And they go, oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, it is. Well, then I went and researched the market, come to find out, well, you know, actually it is incorrect. So in any event, um, that's one of the issues. And I tried to bring it to Babel Cube's attention and they kind of do a, you did a contract, buddy. You knew what you were getting into. At this point, the ball's in your court. You got to resolve the issue. So now I'm having to probably spend more money on an editor to go through and fix this person's work, which really kind of stinks because it defeats the purpose of going and using Babel Cube. So to me, at this point, I'm starting to question whether I should see where I'm getting the most profits at, be it Germany, Italy, uh, Spain, and then just go and hire a good translator. Um, do you mind if I ask you what is what's a good rate for a translator? I got extremely lucky. I'm mm -hmm. not going to say her name who I use because yeah. I don't want her to get bombarded with right. requests. I found a translator that enjoyed it so much. She was willing to work with my budget. Um, I think she did three books for me. The very first book I paid her I want to say a penny per word, which okay. is super cheap. Um, and then I kept progressively going higher because her previous works were selling quite well. Um, I, I know it can be as upwards of two and a half to five cents per word, if not more. Um, Rev.com is a service that translates, and I could be way off because I'm out of the translating world. Yeah. Um, but when it comes down to it, if you have more time than money, I think Babelcube's a good option. Yeah. Are you going to get rich off of it? Probably not, but there's always those unicorns out there. Right. Um, it's going to that point, though, that I'm making too much, well, not too much, more money on t-shirts and journals that right. Babel Cube just isn't really worth my time anymore for now and I've even taken most of them off um, you know accepting any new applications yeah so. yeah that's that's where I find myself at because I have so many so many projects right now on Babel Cube that's the thing is you upload a book to the marketplace and the various languages are going to ask you now you can go and you can take it off a particular language but most times it's going to default to where the 15 different languages they have available for translating on the platform are going to automatically it's going to go to that market so anybody that has expertise in that that region can reach out to you and say okay um, they'll kind of do it like an audition it works very much like audiobook creation exchange in the fact that uh, you put your book up and people audition for it and you say thumbs up, thumbs down, you know, either way you get to work with some people. Every now and then I get some people that don't quite understand the model of Babelcube. They'll come in and say, oh, well, I translate, um, you know, 10 cents per word. I'm like, no, that's not how Babelcube works. Yeah, I, I don't think you got the memo on that one. I don't know how you got on here as a, as a freelancer, but yeah, it doesn't work that way on Babelcube. So... Um, I definitely would love to hear from anybody else if you've if you've tried Babel Cube before or if you've translated your book. So I definitely want to hear what was your experience. Drop them inside the comments. Let's hear. It. Let's kind of get this this chat popping. Uh, we're definitely going to go ahead and open up the floor to questions and see what you guys think here live. And um, so my my thing that it's been something that you want to be aware of. First of all, a is 
translating your book isn't just as, as easy as translating the interior. Remember, you're going to have to do the exterior too. You're going to have to do the cover, and you may want to honor the same cover design that you did for your original, your English version. And that can be a real hindrance if, for instance, you're going and getting, you know, hiring somebody on Fiverr, because sometimes Fiverr people, unfortunately, they're just pumping those out cookie cutter style. And they won't have the original for your original template. And then you might look at more expensive models out there like, say, 99designs or even big shout out to my boy Rob, Archangel Inc. Um, you might purchase something that's going to be a higher end as far as you know covers go, anywhere from 300 to 600 bucks for a good cover. That's going to be a real risk. Are you really willing to, to take that risk on something that isn't you know, proven? You know, and I don't know about you. That's why Babelcube has been the easiest solution. And thankfully, you have experience in Photoshop and I have experience in GIMP. We're able to duplicate a lot of these covers when we go into the different languages. We just have to make sure we go through the translator and say, is this correct? Do I need to make any kind of corrections? Right. When it comes down to it, though, I would say if you can afford a translator, do that. And from my experience, I know you can say otherwise. Um, foreign people are so nice, I think. People who... English is their second, third, whatever language, are very eager to learn. And I've had a good experience. My favorite part of Babelcube is talking to other people all across the world. Um, it just stinks that the pay isn't, you know, enough for me to um, proceed with it. Right, right. And, and, you know, it's so funny. Actually, I think I even had somebody troll me in the comments on Babelcube, uh, the Babelcube review. They were like, it's slavery. I'm like, you're the one who agreed to the translation. I didn't twist your arm. If you know, if you think it's slavery, don't agree to it. Um, everybody's got power pack success. Oh my gosh. That dude is jacked. I need to see about getting swollen next time I get on here. Good well, to see you on here. Let's start answering questions. Um, so uh, go ahead. You take the first question. Can I ask, my competitors have only about 15 to 30 reviews besides the top three searches, okay. and I want to know if I can just get 20 to 30 free reviews over a free promo period, or are paid reviews more important? Sorry if not allowed. Mm -hmm. Organic reviews, don't pay for your reviews. You will get into some trouble. If not now, mm -hmm. down the road. Amazon is always watching, and I'm not trying to be a smarty for that, yeah. um, but... It's tough because you you want to be competitive, and those people have reviews. It takes longer, but you just need to get an email list started yeah. and um, an advanced reader copy list, which I'm sure he has a video about, or you can Google, or we could even do a live later on down the road about that process if you had any questions. Um, but I highly, 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 highly recommend do not get free you know organic reviews i'm not sure if that's what free reviews means to you but don't pay for reviews you will yeah. get in trouble there there are some sites out there that you can pay for reviews and they swear that amazon you know they've cleared it with them uh might i just suggest don't do it uh don't get paid reviews don't pay for reviews the best idea is whatever your chosen niche is if you can Okay, if it's a ghost-written, you know, type thing, uh, it's going to be a little bit more problematic, but it is still possible. Get out there. Do press. Get out and do some podcasts. 
You know, if you're doing a ghostwritten thing, just say, hey, I can only do things by phone. If it's a female um, and you're a male, you may have to kind of get somebody to pinch it or something else like that. You got to start to think outside the box and get yourself out there and expose. The one way to get reviews, more reviews, is just get more exposure. Because if people can start to connect with you and know exactly who you are, they're more susceptible to leaving a review. Um, I think that uh, a lot of my success more recently, though I focused a lot on self-publishing here on this channel, um, I've been getting a lot more organic reviews on my fitness brand because people are able to connect. They're able to see, oh, there's a face with a name. And me getting out and doing interviews and podcasts is hugely to blame for some of the success and the reviews. So if you can, just try to stay organic. Don't be afraid to ask for reviews, but there's still that gray area that Amazon says you can't ask for reviews. Like legit, they said that most recently. You can't ask for reviews. You can give a complimentary copy to somebody, but you can't say it's an exchange for a review. So at this point, you can go, here's my book. I hope someone reviews it. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm going to go down to Josh and then back up to Kim. Yeah. Um, he was just following up free, like swapping with other authors who are also in the free promo during that period. But I'll follow your advice. Um, also, go back, I'm sure. Do you still have that video up about review swapping? Yes, and uh, it's something that Emeka Osai and I are working on diligently to try to bring a lot more awareness to review swaps. Don't do it, ever, ever, don't do it. And um, I'll say something that I have never, ever, ever said publicly. I can't review anymore because I used to review swap. Um, and what mm -hmm. sucks about it is when you, I mean, I can't review, that's whatever, that's no big deal. You know, swap on the hand, there's other websites. Right. However, when there's a review from a customer for your book, I can't leave a comment anymore. And that's the part that I would like to have back, and I've tried to get it back. I'm in the process of it. But um, if you don't mind having your review account taken away, go for it. Go on with your bad self, but yeah. I don't recommend it. I think it's going to even get to the point, too, that some those things kind of make me leery, the fact that they removed your reviewing privileges on Amazon. I actually had tons of reviews, tons and tons and tons. And I got my privileges revoked back in July 2015 when they started really hammering down. And the sad thing is I spent a lot of time reading a lot of books I wouldn't normally read. But I sat down and I did all of those. And you remember, it, it was just literally hours upon hours of me doing these reviews because I was led to believe that's what you're supposed to do. That's the primary goal is get more reviews on your book. But uh, I'm here to tell you that reviews are an ancillary portion of your business. Uh, so try to focus more on polishing your product, uh, putting out better covers, putting out better interiors, putting out better content in general, and getting yourself out there, representing yourself as a brand is one of the most important ways to do it. And if you are doing a ghostwritten brand, you're going to start to have to think outside the box on how can I be able to represent this brand outside without um, making it look like it's completely fake. You know, because you obviously don't want to do that. You can always be the ambassador for your brand. But uh, review swapping, I'm just going to say this, don't do it. Just don't do it anymore. Uh, I'm not saying this to be a jerk. I'm saying this for your better long-term health. Because at this point, you hadn't re review swapped in how long? A couple of years since I pretty much got banned? Yeah, Am that's why I say Amazon's always watching. Because mm -hmm. I stopped review swapping over a year ago. Yep. And I just figured this out a couple months ago. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's go back to Kim. How important are editorial reviews on Amazon? 
I have no idea because I've never tried it, but that's a good, you know, if Amazon sees that field filled out, maybe they'll push you in the search in their algorithm. Yes, uh, it does help out with search engine optimization, Kim, here. Uh, it is important that you try to find some way to get editorial reviews. Now, uh, this is kind of like one of those just gray areas, if you will. You're not technically supposed to put in reviews that are already appearing there. I've taken the liberty of doing that. You're technically supposed to do, literally, editorial reviews. So, for instance, if the Wall Street Journal posts a review, you want to kind of put a small, short blurb about it right there, featured in the Wall Street Journal. Now, they'll be making things up, clearly. Um, I, for instance, I take the reader's favorite review that I get that's completely free, by the way, and I have a full review on reader's favorite. And the reason why I like it is you can just upload your book and you get a free review. It's posted over in Barnes & Noble, Goodreads, and a variety of other places. And the fact that you can't do it on Amazon, see, they try to protect themselves as well as you. You can then slip that, that, that um, reader's favorite review and you can slip it over into editorial reviews. Now, you have to do that through Amazon Author Central. And I have a full series on that as well. So Amazon Author Central... You want to utilize that editorial review there. Uh, I recommend that if you ever find, say, for instance, I'm going to use me as a, as a generic example. Obviously, I'm not some big celebrity. But let's say, for instance, I post a review of you on Goodreads. Since I can't do it on Amazon, you could probably take um, and put that editorial review over there. Um, I say, Kim here's latest effort was smashing. It was great. It was awesome. And it'll have, you know, Dash, Dale L. Roberts of YouTube fame, you know, whatever. So I, I, I'm not famous, by the way. I'm not trying and to thank insinuate you, that. AC Dane Korg. That's my boy, Anthony. What's going on, Anthony? Anthony tried to reach me on Skype, and it's just probably one of the worst ways to get a get hold of me. By the way, folks, reach me at Dale at selfpublishingwithdale.com. If you have any kind of questions for Kelly, you can always just put that inside the subject line regarding Kelly. And I'll make sure to forward all information over to her on that. So that's Dale at selfpublishingwithdale.com. That's the best way. And uh, find me on Facebook. Search me up. And I'm a good guy. I've got actually this goofy picture of me with a green background. I'm going like that. So Kim here says she's had people ask her on Upwork for paid reviews, and she tells them they can do an she can do an editorial review for Amazon um, because paid customer reviews are a big no-no. You could also do it on Goodreads and Barnes & Noble. Right, co correct. You could still do it. Remember here, folks, um, Amazon isn't the only game in town, okay? I make money on Barnes & Noble, and I make money over on iBooks, okay? It, it Fact, fact. And don't just think that if you're not making money on Kindle that you can't make it elsewhere. You, you can make it everywhere else. You just got to be willing to try it out and understand that it's going to be a little different uh, and how you profit on those areas. you just got to be willing to learn and be coachable and such. And be patient because Amazon's the big dog. I don't make as much right. money on the other platforms as I do on Amazon, for sure. Right, right, for sure. Um, boy, we kind of ventured a little bit off the beaten path That's here okay. when it comes to it's this. It's all about them, so whatever um, they need. Yeah, so please, uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about uh, translating books. Um, you've got questions, please fire them off. Yeah, I love the paychecks that come from BNN. Good to see you here, uh, Katrina. Uh, it's awesome uh, having you here at every live stream. Uh, Barnes & Noble is awesome. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite stores to go into. It, and you've gone in there a handful of times to do business, right? Yes, I like Starbucks, and I like getting ideas. Yeah, Barnes & Noble. It, it, here's a little bit of a, um, a strategy. 
If you don't feel like doing your niche research online, go into a store, a brick and mortar store. Um, you'll be darn, it's just going to blow your mind when you go in there and you go, oh, I didn't think about that. Side note, get inspiration, don't copy. Yes, yes, I can't express to you enough. Uh, don't, don't copy people. I mean, seriously, uh, there are some people out there that just crack me up because let's just go ahead and let's just say it. Let's talk about the exact instance where somebody stole your design. Oh, Lordy G's. Oh, sorry for saying that. Lordy G's? I think you're, you're good. I okay. think you're PG still. I think that okay. could be featured on Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> well, I I don't know how many people watched my interview with Emeka, but I discussed uh, my main way to make money is through Create Space Books. Mm -hmm. Um I'm not going to go any further than that. If you watch his video, you'll be able to get a few more hints. Yeah. Um, but someone copied my cover almost exactly. Mm -hmm. Most people thought it was a copy, but they had to look closer and saw the one error. Um, well, not the error, but the difference. And they copied my description almost word for word. They added a few more pages and changed one word to make it grammatically incorrect. So I had to, I didn't tell you that last part. Wow. Um, so I had to fill out a form through Amazon, and it took a few days, but it was finally taken down. I noticed this, like, mid-September, but at that time, they didn't sell a single one. It was priced, I think, $8.99? Mine was mine's $6.99. Um, and it's been my best seller for the past three months. Mm -hmm. And I saw lower in sales, so I decided to look it up again. And he undercut me by $2, and the rank was better. So I was like, oh, no, 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 You're taking no. food off my table. Forget mm. about it. That's fighting words. You know, if it drops in sales, that's, you know, whatever. That happens. But if someone's stealing from me, ain't no one steal from me. So no. um, I actually looked it up again today, and they haven't tried putting it back up. So, um, yeah. Yeah, this, this brings up a good point. If you ever hear me say duplicate those that are successful, don't freaking Xerox it. Don't photocopy exactly what they're doing. For crying out loud, model yourself after the successful people, but you don't want to do the same exact thing. I know we might lose the moderator here from your very, very like <laughs> egregious error of saying some, some curse words. By the way, uh, good to see you, BV, joining the uh, stream. Uh, we're going to hang in here for just a few more minutes to answer a couple more questions here. Uh, what languages do you suggest translating into? Uh, my recommendation, and this is the ones I've seen success in for the most part, are Spanish, German, and Italian. The other ones, eh, you know, I do okay. It's it's not like I'm going to break the bank anytime soon. Now, this experience is only based on Babel Cube here, Katrina. So um, I don't know what, what would you say uh, would be the languages she should try out. If you hire someone, I would try Spanish first. Right. Um, I would go deep. Well, not deep. Try one. If the Spanish works out for you, then go deep in it. Because um, it's not cheap. Um, if you go the Babel Cube route, you just put it up and you can, um, you know, you can see what translators are out there and then be like, hey, I got this book. You want it? That never worked for me. But yeah. I just put them up and see what language hit. Um, Spanish is very popular for right. me because um, so many people speak it. But I have eight languages on BabelQ, so yeah. if someone wants to do the work, <laughs> if 
It's okay. Well, what, what was the issue? Okay, now I, now I knew we were going to double back around to this here. Uh, we kind of got a little bit off the beaten path because we are talking about translated books today. Don't worry, Mohammed. We'll get to your question. Yes, Mohammed, hang in there, buddy. Um, so what, what about Hindi? You had an issue, and I knew we were going to talk about it today. Um, well, I don't know if anyone does Babel Cube. Okay. So I don't know if it would really lose people if I said what happened. Okay, let's share. I mean, what what's the deal with Hindi? Babel Cube recently started, what was it, seven new languages? Something like that. Five new languages. Five new languages. Yeah, over the last couple of weeks. Hindi was one of them. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, Greek was one of them too. But I was able to publish in Greek, but not Hindi yet. Interesting. It's so funny. About a day after I got the email saying Hindi is accepted, or it could have been the day of, someone applied for one of my projects in Hindi. So I'm mm -hmm. like, cool. I don't know what this alphabet says, but cool. I'll just hire them. Just trust it. <laughs> hope for the best. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was kind of cool. I love languages, so it was cool opportunity. Yeah. So they did, you know, a really good job, and I went to go publish it. Error. Next day, error. I tried changing the extension from doc to docx. Error. Try going back. Error. Email Babel Cube. Have you tried it? Yes. Finally heard today, oh, they can't accept that yet. They're working on it. It'll be a couple of days. So I was like, oh, <laughs> You're like, why do you offer it if you can't be done anywhere? You know, I could care less about that. It's just the poor translator. The translator. Spent all their the time. hard work. I emailed what was happening, and I got no response. So I'm like, okay, that person probably thinks I'm a big old dummy. So I'm like, whatever. Yeah, yeah it's there are some times when you get into this business, you just got to kind of go, whatever. So moral of the story, if you do decide to get into the Babel Cube madness, learn patience. Yeah, you do, do have to be super patient. You got to also learn a little bit of diplomacy in the process because there's some times where I feel like my translator, I'm trying to speak to them and communicate uh, my expectations, and they're kind of thinking it's demands. Like, you, you have to do this, you have to do that. Like, I had somebody who just lost their mind on me the other day on uh, forgetting what language. I, I'd shared it with you. I know that this person. Uh, is mutually used between the two of us. I didn't realize until she brought up. I had never had problems with your wife. Um, well, first of all, A, don't compare me to my wife, okay? When you do business with her, you do business with her. When you do business with me, that's different. But the people on Babel Q are great. I love the translators. Too bad I just can't get more money. Let's go back to Mohammed. Okay, Mohammed. Let's see what Mohammed's got to say here. Uh, what do you use for an autoresponder, or what do you recommend that is fairly affordable? Um, do you want me to take this one? Sure. Okay, Mohammed, good news. This Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm actually going to be answering this very, very question about how to start an email list with Emeka Osai. So I'm going to be bringing in another expert. Uh, Kelly might or might not be in the stream. Um, I'm not sure what, what her schedule is going to permit. Um, she's gracious to spend some time with us on Thursdays. But try to tune in this Saturday. I'll say, say a long story short, I'm really happy with MailChimp, and I've used GitResponse. I like GitResponse, but to a certain extent, I just felt like the user interface was better on MailChimp. That was my opinion. If you're cash-strapped, MailChimp's free version is definitely worth it, in my opinion. Uh, what do you uh, folks think? And anybody that's listening to this live or watching this on the replay, 
what email service do you use? And I'd like to talk about that coming up this Saturday. We're going to really go in depth about this. So there's a good chance we might go a little longer than a half hour on this Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I doubt I'll show up on Saturday. You never know. But if you don't have any experience with email responders, I say start with MailChimp because their interface is really good. And that's all I'll say. Excellent. Uh, congratulations, BV. I see that you have translated to Yeti, but no sales. Hang in there. You gotta, you gotta work on some of your keywords. Like, <laughs> try that one, or <laughs> try that one out, uh, or <laughs> that might work out. Um, that was terrible. That was awful. I'm sorry. There's no way I can delete this. This is live here, folks. Um, Mailer Light. Excellent. I I've never heard of Mailer Light. Um, but thank you for the suggestion. Uh, Kim here says MailChimp just added single opt-in for sign-up, or they're about to anyway. Yeah, actually they did. Um, it's supposed to convert over to a single opt-in, which is which is great. It makes it a little bit a little bit easier. Aweber, I've heard nothing but good things about Aweber, and I know we're going to be talking about Aweber in the coming stream. Do you use Google Trends for research and publishing your topic in other languages, or do you search to separate Amazon stores online? Uh. This is going to kind of sound crazy, but uh, typically I'll use Google Trends um, whenever I'm starting into a brand new niche. Um, but for the most part after that, I will just research um, everything else on Amazon. Sorry, I wasn't trying to pick my nose. That was a scratch. Um, but, you know, when it comes down to it, if you've already got a ready-made product and you have the availability like Babelcube and there's really not too much of an investment to, to put in, uh, especially for us since we're able to develop our covers and we already know about formatting, it's not costing us too much more. So if you're in an instance that you, you don't know graphic design, you're not able to, to design covers um, and you're not able to format the interior, you're going to have to kind of, you know, weigh out, is this worth the risk? So you, it, it, that Google Trends is good, by the way. If anybody gets the opportunity, go to Google Trends and research niches and it's not something I tap on too often but it actually is something that I've done in the past and continue to do actually for keyword research as well. So I use Google Trends for my research for my um, my other stuff um, however the reason I picked up Spanish was two things um, first I know it's very popular and second I went to like four or five major Amazon stores and I checked out to see how many books were in the niche I was publishing at the time compared to the whole store. So I wanted to see how many books were there, you know, compared to the U.S. Because people like to read all over the, you know, world. And for instance, maybe I had like a adult baby diaper romance or something. There's not many of them in Italian, but there's a lot in the U.S. I'd probably pick Italian if that made any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That made sense for sure. Uh, a couple more questions. We're going to kind of wrap up. We're about 15 minutes past our normal time, but that's okay. Uh, I see. Did you see any other questions besides that last one? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Muhammad. By the way, that's really cool. I'm glad I was able to confirm. Uh, I'll tell you that MailChimp came very highly referred through my virtual assistant, Ava, uh, which, by the way, anybody had the opportunity, go back and watch yesterday's Landingi review. That's a landing page builder. And Ava, my assistant, was very nice to come in and actually uh, share a little bit of the 411 on Landingi and her experience. And she is also the one that suggested MailChimp to me a while ago. All right, so is that the last question then? Awesome, very good. Uh, Stan, question. Hey guys, I just currently wrapped up my contract with my publisher and want to relaunch my paperback and ebook. 
but need more clarity on whether to use KDP or CreateSpace. Well, clearly, you're going to have to use KDP for your, your ebook. That that one's going to be an easy one to, to suggest. Um, what oh, I would no. recommend. I'm sorry. What about Pronoun? Right, right. Yeah, give, give me a minute. Okay, go. For give, it. give me a minute here. Uh, so. Um, if you are looking to relaunch that and you discovered that you weren't having very much traction through the KDP Select program, might I suggest that you entertain other aggregate publishers out there such as Pronoun or draft a digital There's also Smashwords, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I like Smashwords. The only thing is, it's just so difficult to get in there. However, draft a digital has made it a lot easier, and if you are interested in setting up a draft a digital account, but you don't want to publish on there. That's okay. Their auto-formatting software is exemplary. I can't say enough good things, but go check them out at selfpublishingwithdale.com slash D2D. That's, once again, selfpublishingwithdale.com slash D2D. Set up your account with them, and Draft the Digital does wonderful. I just, I would really recommend, if you didn't see very much success with KDP Select originally on the first launch of your book, you may want to entertain aggregate publishers because you might make a significant amount more on those ones, such as Pronoun, Draft Digital, or Smashwords. I like Smashwords. I know your preferred one is Pronoun, correct? Yes. Yeah. Pronoun, by the way. Love me some Pronoun. There's a good reason why I've done a full series on them. And uh, that's a shout out to Katrina. She's actually the one of the ones who suggested that one to me. And I, I'm forever grateful to yes, you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I did not I've, know that. I have sold thousands. I've had thousands of downloads through Google Play alone. And I have Katrina to thank for actually suggesting Pronoun. Uh, as far as paperback goes, uh, I'm going to give you kind of a wishy-washy answer here on this one. Uh, I prefer CreateSpace because I already know the platform. I like it. I continue to draw a great majority of my income through CreateSpace. However, KDP Paperback, I've tested a few books out on there, and I'm starting to slowly see that come up. In fact, about 30% of the income that I have coming from Kindle Direct Publishing is on Paperback. So just know that. And uh, I don't know. What, what's your take? KDP or CreateSpace? I would say it depends on what platform you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've published on either of those before. Um, I like CreateSpace because it pays in 30 days. It's really easy to use. The customer service is really good. I've never tried, but I don't know how I would get a KDP paperback customer service person. And you can literally call CreateSpace. The benefits to KDP, you get more keywords. Um, yeah. I should say benefit. Um, you get paid every 60 days, just like your Kindle books. Right. Um, it is harder to format with KDP. So I would say if you're a beginner in the paperback world, go with create space. If you're a little bit more intermediate to advance, give KDP a try because it, nothing beats just having one login for all your books. Yeah. Logging into several platforms just takes up time. Yeah, it does. It does. I see Anthony's not a fan of the DDD formatting. Have you checked it out since they actually have had the update? That's happened over the last couple of weeks. They have the uh, new auto formatting with the various um, types, and I, I love it. I just, I literally, I, I love it. Um, but uh, it, it, please, by all means, everybody, just because you're watching this, you don't always have to agree with me. Uh, I, I definitely understand there's a opposition out there so never be afraid to express your feelings on something um Says, just know this with kdp paperback i'm sorry uh, oh, go for it. 
KDP paperback is still in its beta phases. Um, be prepared for a lot of issues. I don't like the fact that you can't order a proof or there's just that layer of double proofing. So you'll upload it, you send it to CreateSpace, and they'll send it back to you and say, hey, it's ready for approval. But it won't be live until you actually approve it there. KDP, forget about it. You send it there as soon as KDP approves your paperback. If there's errors or not errors, it's going live no matter what. And see, you're stuck with that. And you're going to have to go back through the whole hassle of having to fix this, hoping that nobody purchased your bad paperback. So that's one of the issues that I have really when it comes to KDP paperback. If you have something you've done in CreateSpace before, though, the migration process is fairly simple, correct? Uh, for, the most, for the most part, um, there's a couple things that will get you stuck up on the KD if you, when you go to transfer, but for the most part, they're fixable. Okay, excellent. Um, I don't want to bore with details if no one really gives about that. Limited options for KDP paperback. No, haven't checked after digital in a while. Highly, highly recommend you do. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of their original auto formatting. Now I'm telling you this, like it, it, I'm excited about it. There's so many options. It's literally, I think, how many different types? I haven't lost. It's got to be easily. A, a it's got to be easily a dozen different ones. Give it a shot, and you don't have to hit publish. That's that's the beauty of Draft Digital is they allow you to use their formatting for paperback and ebook. So uh, give it a shot. I mean. Worst case scenario, you can always come back and say, Dale, I told you so, uh, but I'm telling you, Draft Digital is, is pretty amazing. All right, well, is there any other questions? Otherwise, uh, I'm going to start to wrap things up. I, I'm hungry. Okay, excellent. It sounds like we definitely need to get ourselves a little bit of uh, eat here. So, yes, thank you very much for tuning in. I know we kind of beat, uh, got off the beaten path a little bit when it comes to talking about translated books. That's going to happen from time to time. If you enjoyed today's video, make sure that you tune in next Thursday at 6 p.m. That's this next Thursday at 6 p.m. I'm actually going to have this lady for sure here, and we're going to be discussing what? I had one more thing, but I, I like the open format. Whenever people have questions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So maybe we could alternate open format one week and then maybe a topic once or twice a month. Excellent. Well, we'll be looking at a publishing Q&A this next uh, Thursday at 6 p.m. And as well, I'm going to be joining Emeka this Saturday. That's this Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're going to be talking about how to build or how to start an email list. You're going to want to listen in because there's going to be some great 411. Hey, if you enjoyed this channel, make sure that you support the cause by heading over to this link at patreon.com slash selfpubwithdale. And all you have to do is contribute $1 per month. That's right, $1 or more. I'm not going to be against it. And the nice thing is you get exclusive content to videos that have long since disappeared from the YouTube channel. Okay, they're unlisted, but you get to see them over on Patreon. And you get exclusive video content not ever seen anywhere before, but on patreon.com slash selfpubwithdale. You're not committed to any kind of long-term contracts or anything else like that. So if you wanted to try it out for a month, what are you going to be out? A buck? A buck? And if you can't afford it, make sure that you share it with somebody. Um, I'm sorry, what are we looking at? He asked a question. Is there better linking between the KDP paperback option and the book? Um, I, I don't know that I know what you mean, buddy. Um... I tell you what, uh, as we're getting ready to to wrap up, don't forget to support Dale. Thank You're you, Anthony. Uh, Anthony, uh, hit me up over on, um, you know, you know where to get a hold of me at. 
any event, uh, I'll try to answer that question on a future stream because we're, we're trying to get disconnected. But uh, if you guys can, please head over to patreon.com slash selfpubwithdale. If you're not able to afford a buck per month, that's okay. Just go ahead and share it with somebody and let them know about what you think about this channel and how they can help support the cause. Remember, if you enjoyed this video, hit the thumbs up. If you hated it, hit the thumbs down. Either way, hit a thumb. Till later. This has been Self Publishing with Dale and me, Kelly. We'll work on this one. <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs>